Welcome to Conversations on Cub Creek, a podcast situated in the hollows along Cub Creek, west of Nashville, Tennessee. Good conversation with smart, passionate, interesting people, and great music, some good beer, and some good food. Thanks for spending your time with us here on the creek. Enjoy. Tonight, I sit down with Southern rock and blues legend Johnny Neal. Johnny is probably best known as a member of the Allman Brothers. He is an exceptional piano and organ player, and his distinctive blues-tinged voice can be heard on everything from the Almonds to Disney. He is a fellow Creeker living just down the road from me. We talked history, music, politics, health, and the spirituality of delivering a song. I think you're going to enjoy this next hour with the one-of-a-kind Johnny Neal. Let's get started. All right. Well, I'm sitting with my pal Johnny. Good to see my neighbor, actually. We are uh, we're about a, less than a mile down Cub Creek. So this is the first time uh, Conversations on Cub Creek has talked to uh, somebody else on Cub Creek. <laughs> so, good to be neighbors, my friend. Hey, neighbor. <laughs> and we're sitting in your... Uh, Beautiful studio. You got this great outback building behind your house and looks pretty unassuming till you walk in. Yeah. I don't want nobody thinking it's assuming. <laughs> yeah. No, you want you want to kind of have the security yeah. of what's back there. But man, once you walk in, it's a beautiful spot. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. I appreciate it. So you were born in Wilmington, Delaware. Yep. Yep. I was born in Biden country. Yeah, that's right. Right, man. right down to oh, right, I, you know, whatever. Yeah, oh, I man. like that myself, but that's my business. Oh, yeah, no, I like that too, man. So you started, you recorded your first record, I think you were 12 years old. Yeah. And was it your your brother's band, The Shapes of Soul? Yeah, it was. Tell it me about was, that. Well, you know, I I had sat in, and uh, and this guy called, someone said, you know, hey, I got a record company, and I had this and that and the other, and and we got a song of you. I don't know what that meant. You know, I just wanted to go outside and play, you know. So we kept going over the same tunes, you know, because it was a 45. So we kept going over the same tunes for like a week, two weeks. And I'm going, man, why are we doing that? Man, let's play something else. And I, then all of a sudden I realized it was in the studio. And I'll tell you what, it scared the heck out of me. You didn't know you were going to record no, the studio. I didn't put it together. I didn't put it, I was just I was like 12 years old. And, uh, but then, you know, we went off from there uh, and did, did pretty good locally. You know, we had a record. We actually did real good. Well, listen, we always, of course, that's the standard interview question, right? Like, how'd you get started? But yeah. if we're talking at 12 years old, you're already singing in the studio and you're joining this band and you're, and you're starting to write songs. I have to ask you that question because at 12 years old, how did you get to be a 12-year-old who was already, you know, kind of ready to throw it down? What, what well, I, th- I think it's because uh, I the way I learned to play was basically you know, take your right hand, put the pedal down, and go, and just run it up. So you had a piano in the house? Yeah, I had Mom or dad? No, nobody. They just had it in the house? Yeah, it was, they, they knew I was going to do something. I think, you yeah. know. So they slid one in there. 
but basically, so you wrote your hand up the black keys, and that was a chord. And I went, "Wow, what's that?" Just, I got to do that. Then I real, then I realized, oh heck, I got to do it on in every key. <laughs> so, so if you're already, you know, once you hit twelve, you're already ready to go in the studio. How old were you when you really started kind of capturing that piano in the house? Seven. Seven. Yeah, that seven. Do you remember when you first kind of brushed your hands over it? What it was like? Yeah, it was it was beautiful. I said it kind of scared me, you know, because you know, just spreading your hands, right hand across the black keys, because some people can't see, they don't know what I'm doing. But yeah, and then you hold the pedal down, and it's and out come the angels. Oh, when you held that sustain pedal down. Yeah. Oh yeah. And then I said, okay, well, I got to do that. How can I do that? And then so I played everything in. F sharp, that drove people crazy. Oh, yeah, why did you start in F sharp? Because that's what this is. Oh, because it's the Black Keys. Yeah, so, oh, you know what I mean? And then, yeah. so like all oh, bad guitar players, because that means I would play an E flat. Uh, so uh, they were slapping capos on left and right yeah. around here. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't have them back then. Well, that's right, so they had to, they played for real. <laughs> yeah. They were bar, I, they were bar chord stir crazy. Oh, I right? bet they were with you. I, I had them, well, they hated it. I said, well, you know, of course, back then, you know, they wrote songs with horns in them. And horns played in them keys. That was their natural tendency. But not to talk too much shop, but that's, so I was driving them crazy. Oh, they would get, they would just, why you got to play it that key? Well, that's where your always, hands first hit it. My plus, you know, your guitar players got A, E, D, and G, and then what? You know? Yeah. And then, you know, of course, that, that made them mad, too. <laughs> so uh, we're, we're talking um, kind of born in the mid-60s in Wilmington, right? Yeah, well, I was born in 54, started cutting about uh, You were born in 54? I born in 54. So gotcha. And okay. then... And then I started uh, playing uh, when I was like set eight, something like that. I got my I had a record deal when I was twelve, and ain't been able to get one since. <laughs> started out big. So we're talking uh, by the time you uh, are twelve, we're talking kind of the mid sixties. Yeah, sixty six. What, what's, what's Wilmington, Delaware, like in the mid sixties, and what was it about Wilmington that kind of like? Informed your music. What was going on? It's pretty oh. close to Philly, so we're we talking Philly soul, or oh yeah, that was a lot of it. A lot of it was Philly soul, and uh, and then then the psychedelic music came and so forth, and uh, and it, it was right in the middle of uh, the civil rights movement. Sure. Martin, Martin Luther King got got killed, and and I remember I was singing in front of this uh, for the city. I was singing in front of this big choir. I mean, I don't know how many people, man, and they, and, and, and they were basically black choirs. I was digging that, right, you know? Yeah. And then we get down and the riot breaks out. Well, I don't know what's going on. Next thing you know, I'm under, under the piano. My dad pushed me under the piano. So the riot was in the church? No, it was outside. Oh, it was outside. Okay, got yeah, it. Yeah, but it was a real full play. Well, then I'm thinking, oh, this ain't good. You know, <laughs> I, you know, so they got me and they got me out of there. But that was a very emotional. You remember what you sung? You remember what it may have been? Yeah, it was called The Prayer. And 
it was uh, an old spirit gospel standard that I hear a lot of people sing nowadays. Gotcha. And um, I'm sorry, I don't know if I can remember the words, but if it comes back to me, more, I'll do it. Yeah. But it, you know, it was a famous. I don't know if Mahalia Jackson sang it or somebody like that, you know, that, that yeah. really had the thing. And then, you know, so the civil rights movement, then, and then I got political, you know, right. and thanks to Bob Dylan. I'm going to kick his ass, Duncan. <laughs> anyway, uh, you know, it, and, and basically, I, uh, I, I, you know, I really had, I didn't really understand uh what I had when I had the record deal. I just thought, all right, whatever, you know. And then uh, went and had a stroke. And I think I realized I took a lot of that natural gift that God gave me, uh, you know, for granted. You know, I just, I'll, I'll just go play. It won't be there. It was always there for you. Yeah. yeah. And, and then it went away. And now I'm like, holy moly, I got to. I got to readapt. I'm doing it. I'm doing you are. it. You're sitting at the piano now. Yeah, but you know, it's, it's uh, I'm a one-handed bandit, you know. Well, tell me about your brother Dave and this band Shapes of Soul, because that's where the thing started for you in terms of uh, a Yeah, well, he, he, it was a kind of band. Remember, well, back in the day, they had these bands where they had a bass guitar, a rhythm guitar, a lead guitar, and the drummer. And I guess you call them a surf band, you know? Okay, surf, yeah, surfing right. band. Right. But they would just, you know, the uh, the, uh, the the lead guitar would play the melody and they and then they and my brother was a real good singer. He was Dave, he was a really, really good singer. Older and, than you or yeah, older. He was a couple years older than me. And he he had a, he had a good thing. Uh, and and so and the whole bunch of them uh, were good, you know. They uh, so even though you were a little brother, when he heard you sing and play, it was time to bring you in. Yeah, well, I don't know how my dad did that. Here they are, a bunch of college kids, right? And they want this little twelve-year-old to come in to play yeah. and, be, and be in the band. I still don't. I mean, that's still some manipulation there, Pop. You know, <laughs> he wanted it to happen. Yeah. And so, it, and they went along, and it, it, it paid off. You know, I, I was just kid, so I didn't get a whole, you know, I was, if I didn't get my way, do this, I'd get all upset like a kid does. But then, you know, I realized when I, uh, when I finally came down here, what the deal was. I, I understood that you had to quit. It ain't going to be your way, but, but it's going to be a good way, you know. And uh, Well, you had a song that you went, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I think that single was talking about people. Yeah, that's the right? first. And that was with The Shapes of Soul? Yeah. I got a little clip of it. Let's take a listen to it. So I can hear the surf band influence. There. Yeah, oh, yeah.
Oh yeah. So that was your song. Did you write it? Yeah, me and my dad. Uh, you know, I didn't. I, I don't know where the. I don't know where the hook came from or nothing. But all I remember is we lay. I was laying on the floor and he was writing all writing down all these cities, and I wow. said, "Well, we will gotta put all these cities together like a laundry list." <laughs> Well, it sounds like your dad was a pretty important influence for you. Oh, he did, no question. The, the piano shows up in the house for you to look, first lay your hands on. Dad does some kind of voodoo to get Dave to get you in this band. <laughs> and then you're writing with Dad. Tell me a little bit about your relationship with your dad around music. Uh, it well, it was it was uh, he was a, a, a player. See, he, oh, he, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, he was a drummer. And he had one of them bands like you know, back in the day that had B3 and drums and sax, like a jazz. I think he did like cover music, but jazz, you know, like back in that day, that's what it was. And uh, and so I used to hear all these jam sessions down in the basement, and these guys were getting out there, you know. So and, and and I, that, I, that kind of soaked up through you a little bit. So, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it did. So, so we, we we were very close. I was just a little boy, and couldn't say nothing to me, man. No, I get away with murder. But, <laughs> you were like, the youngest, yeah. <laughs> but he, yeah, he was he was my best friend and uh, took care of me. I said, "Hey, Dad, I, I want to learn how to play jazz. I want to play jazz." He goes, "No, no, son. Uh, no, he say, he say, hey, babe." You're not gonna make no money playing that jazz. <laughs> <laughs> he was hey, every, yeah, everything was hey man with him. Oh, nice. Everything. Hey babe, don't, don't be doing that. That's your memory of him, hey babe. Oh, hey, yeah. oh, yeah. I got all my friends that say it to me. Oh, oh cool. You know, like, that live here. You know, players that I yeah. work with. Yeah. Hey babe. What you? So dad carries on. Yeah, dad lives on. Yes, he does. <laughs> so you wrote this song talking about people with dad, and you took it into the studio, and you didn't know you were going into the studio? Was that the song? or? Well, I knew I was going in the studio, but I didn't know what it meant. Yeah, right. Oh, studio, whatever, you know. And you then, just wanted to play, you didn't care. Yeah, and then... Uh, what was it like recording your first song? Well, it it was it was all right to... But, but the thing that was the, the wildest part was when you hear your voice come out of a speaker yeah. and you're hearing it from the outside in instead of the inside out, like, you know, when you're talking, you're used to your voice coming from the inside, right? But when you're recording and the speakers come at you, you're like, that ain't me. No, nah, it didn't even sound That's like That's me a little bit. Yeah, it, it did. It did. But, I mean, then I got used to it and started, like, Heading toward that sound with my voice, you know, I made my voice sound a certain way. But this song actually came when you got you you guys were on a a little label out of Wilmington. Yeah, Richie Records. Richie Records. Yeah, yeah, and and they put the song out right. I mean, oh yeah, it was. Tell me about how it did. Oh yeah, I, that would have been 60, 66, 67. Okay, it did good. You know, we did back then. You know, we'd go down to the Record store, and we buy a hundred copies. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah, that's, that'll tell you how good it did. But it's, they do it today, but they don't do it the same way. Well, uh, streaming—that's just we, we we put the stream on and let it roll. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. How many times did it play? Ah, fifty-five million. <laughs> yeah, we got more money back then. Isn't that right. funny? Right. Per song. 
Funny and sad, though, man. Right? But that got you started. I mean, that got you started as a songwriter, got you started as a recording artist. Uh, The music bug had already bitten when you first rolled your hand across the keys. Oh, yeah. And let let me ask you this. Of course, you've been blind since birth. Right. Right. Um, How did that inform your musicality? I mean, you brushed across this piano and heard those black keys. Do you think it would have been the same had you been able to see it? Nah. Would have been different. I think I'd have been as focused. Once that happened, I'd have been working on a Harley. You know, you know, if I'd have been out in the garage fixing my Harley and get ready to tear up the roads, you know, if I, I, I wouldn't have been as focused. So if it was limiting, it limited you to playing music. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. a good way of putting it. I never thought of that. That's good. No, you're right. The focus, though. I mean, you found. Uh, what about your sense of hearing and feeling the music, um, you know, we're used to hearing about how if you lose one sense, other senses are heightened. How has it been for you to kind of connect with music, not being able to see? Uh, well, see, uh, that that is really, I mean, you know, your senses, your senses are heightened, but it's not like a gift, uh, it's more Not like a, it's, it's more like a, yeah. <laughs> it's more like a muscle thing. If 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 you couldn't see, you were blindfolded for like a couple of weeks. You your hearing would like triple mm-hmm. all, all by itself. Like you think it's kind of just a focus? Oh on yeah, different, yeah uh, well, you got no choice. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, you know, it's like if it's raining real hard and, and on the street, it sounds like frying a steak. You know, yeah, stuff right. like that happens. Right, you start making those connections. Yeah, and then you know, but that's that that's pretty much uh yeah. so now, you know, decades later, where does that sit on the scale of a blessing and a curse to you? Uh well, that's a good question. Uh I think it's good. I think it's good uh, uh you know. Like I said, it was a natural gift that I didn't realize. Sure. And so I figured, and so it was a good thing. I mean, I got, I got to, you know, meet a lot of good people, uh, and they taught me a lot. I had to, a couple of people in, around my neighborhood that was, that was a real good jet. Showed me what chords were all about. Uh and of course, you had your dad and your brother around. Yeah, there. and I had them, and and so I, it, it was always around, you know. And and we would not, you know, they got these jam bands. They talk about well, we would get in the garage and we would start out with two, three chords, and we would have a song. We make a song out of it. I would sing on over it, make up words. And that to me, that's jam. But what they, yeah. you know, that, that you you know, you don't play a song and then space out in the middle and come back. I think you should write something. Well, that's why I, yeah. I wanted to bring this up too, because people know you, of course, as an extraordinary uh, piano player, B three player, organ player, um, and, and singer. You got fabulous voice, man. But it sounds like you started almost as a songwriter. Almost first. Yeah, Is that yeah, yeah. but, but I didn't know that. Yeah, you just, did you write songs so that you could play? Yeah, well, I wrote songs because uh, I had to. I had to write a song for that record, and I and then I got other people uh, telling me to write songs that uh, 
Uh, so I, yeah, it was kind of like they they would give me a little assignments, like and uh, mm-hmm. that was kind of cool. A lot of people don't like doing that. I like assignments. I yeah, you know, I wrote for uh, I sang some for Disney and and I wrote a couple of songs to try to get in movies. Well, you know how that is. But I, I like somebody kind of writing for a purpose. Yeah, so I think it's fun. cool. Yeah, you know? but, and I think that you making that statement is the first um, kind of clue that you came to Nashville because that's what writing in Nashville is about a lot. You know, especially yeah. if you're with a publisher, right? You're you're looking at a pitch sheet, going who's who's cutting and what are they looking for, and I better write a few. So yeah. you learn that discipline. Yeah, don't you? I did, and I liked it. A lot of people don't like it. Yeah. Oh man, that's not you're you're not being original. Said, well, you know, I ain't trying to be original. I'm trying to, you know, see how close I can get to what they want. And and then I then I got to be honest, I did stop doing that because it messed me up a little bit. Mm-hmm. I, I you know because I wasn't writing from my heart. I was writing for the craft. You had to kind of chase a chase yeah. your your muse a little differently. Yeah. So you moved to Nashville, I think, in 1984. I'm somewhere in there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah right. What brought? What made you move to Nashville initially? Was it a, on a whim? Well, or? no. This guy, a friend of mine, Pal Riggs, he was from Philly, and he was doing a country album, believe it or not, on these two brothers, and they hired me to play piano. Why? You know, I didn't know what the, I, <laughs> I didn't know what the chart was. Yeah, they kept going. 14, 55, 16, and I go, hike! You, know? <laughs> you thought it was a football call. Yeah, That's the national number system, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, right. And I look, and then they all start learning, and then I learned it. I took, I fought that learner for a long time, which was stupid. Because uh, it's... Did you just work by it, ear? Yeah, yeah, but then I had to think more, see? Yeah, right. I finally just went by them numbers. I would have, you know, and they changed that. Like, they'll, they'll change one line, uh, by changing the number, you know, and then I don't know what they did. So then I start learning the number system, and I keep up with them. They go fast. Well, and, and that that system, right, was developed with, uh, you know, kind of Elvis-era players that needed to be able to communicate, but they weren't necessarily, uh, you know, music majors, right? Yeah. So they came up with this incredibly easy but comprehensive uh, Nashville number system. And for people that don't know it, the cool thing, it, it looks like a math uh, problem on a piece of paper. You have numbers representing chords. And the great thing is, you know, right, you can change keys, but you don't have to rewrite the music. Right. right. You just change one, right? right. Just, uh, just tell me what the key I made, and then it's all numbers. Let me roll. So you started playing in, in all the great storied clubs in the in the in the eighties after you got here, and I think meeting Dickie Betts moved the ball a little bit for you. Yeah, well, I what was, was it like meeting him? And oh, what? that was cool. Well, you know, I was all my brothers. The wild thing, I played uh, that music in high school, and then oh, you did, and then to be able to play with him for real was like holy. That was like getting actually dream come true because I mean that was like holy man, that's serious. And Where did you first meet uh, Dickie Bat? Uh, at the Bluebird. Oh, you did? Okay, yeah. the storied uh, music cafe here in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the famous place now. It used to be a blues club. It was really cool. 
Anyway, then then now now they're they're focusing on helping songwriters. It started as a blues club. Yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, when I played there. Oh, oh yeah, we had Dave Mason come in there and John Hall, all these guys, the Double Brothers. They come in and play with us. Wow, it was a whole different scene back then. But you know, well, you must have really made a, a an impression on him because it was just maybe three four years later that he was putting together this record. Uh, you know the the pattern disruptive record, right? Yeah. And you had a um, you had a song on that. Uh, I think I had four songs, four or five. So you had rock bottom. Yeah, and then I had say uh, la vie, and I, I can't remember now. Right. So you were in all up in that record. Oh yeah. So <laughs> once you guys met, it sounded like uh, did you write these with him or? Yeah, so about mm-hmm. and and. Rock Bottom was a pretty big hit. People are going to know that. Yeah, that was good. That was let's, good. Go let's ahead. take a quick listen to, I got a little clip of Rock Bottom. All right. What was it like to have all these songs and this hit on that record? It was cool. Ooh, I, I mean, I got to tell you, once then I realized, well, you know, I and you know, right when when you write with some uh, people like the Allman Brothers, and uh, I remember we were rehearsing this one tune that's on the uh, Seven Turns album, I think, and. I'm like, I don't like this shit. I don't. I, 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 I. It wasn't. Oh, you. You were you were feeling that way. Yeah, I was feeling yeah. that way. And I Tom Dowd was producing and he was like Tom Dowd, the yeah, famous yeah, uh, was, producer. So yeah. he goes, Well then, Johnny, let me put it to you this way. You either like it or you don't get it caught. I said, Man, I'm starting to really like I love it. This. <laughs> <laughs> Little light bulb went on, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Oh, I love everything about it. Now did you play on that record as well? Yeah. So that was when we were listening to that uh those <laughs> organ stabs, that's you. Yeah, that was before uh, Pattern Disruptors was before Seven Turns. Right. But yeah, that was that was me on that. That was a fun record. That, that was fun. Pattern Disruptors. Yeah, that was a yeah. good band. Jeez. Where did you guys record that? Uh, Tallahassee. Oh. I, I think it was called Moon Records. Huh. Moon something. It was Bud Strzok owned it, and it was a nice place. Uh, we had a good time down there. <laughs> and, oh, I, I bet. Well, and then uh, in that same year, you worked on the Greg Almond Band uh, album. Yeah. And I think you had a cut on there too, right? Uh, yeah, was that Island? was called Island. That was when they songs where we wrote it. And uh, Greg just took it and wrote words to it. We didn't know what, what, they, what they were. So you had, you had sat down and kind of worked out the music. And- yeah. Right, and then he wrote it about his daughter Island, who I never I don't think I ever met her. But uh, what about his daughter? So that was cool. Did you yeah. write it on the on the keyboard? Yeah, 
Yeah. Who all was on that song, and how did you start? You said you really kind of formed the music. How did that start? Well, before it was the like they had these two brothers in Greg's band called, yeah. called the Toller Brothers, right. and they were phenomenal. That them cats, they 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 were scary. You know, they they you know if if we sat down and started playing, we'd be a whole other place by the time we got done. And then, and then they recently had passed away. Uh, but they had they started it. We kind of wrote it, and I wrote part of it, and they wrote part of it, and I wrote the bridge and the kind of thing like that. You know. And what did I mean? you record the thing and then hand that to Greg Allman to write no, the no, we, we, we just came. We I don't remember that part. Yeah, I'm not sure how. I, I didn't even know it was on the record until. Oh really? Yeah, because you know things just that's. You know, I wrote it and then I forgot about it, and I and I, and I knew Greg was going to write lyrics, but I didn't know what they were. But there, I knew they wouldn't be bad. You know? Right? Yeah, of course. But but you know, so he wrote that, and uh, or we wrote that. It's funny because like even on, uh, even on Good Clean Fun, uh, which was uh, the Allman Brothers reunion tour. Uh, even on that song, you know, I started writing it with, with Greg, and, and uh, I came up with the good clip. I wrote the music, and then I came up with the hook, and then that was it. That's all I knew. And, that, and then the next thing I know, we, we started practicing the song. I went, oh, good, it's on the record. <laughs> Not only was it on the record, it was a hit single on that yeah, record. Yeah, it was. Absolutely. That was a fun song. Well, in a year, just a year after Island came out, pretty big uh, news, you're invited to join the reunited Almond Brothers band. Yeah. And I, Did you I, feel that coming on? Yeah. I was hoping. I mean, yeah. I could see where yeah. it was at the right place, right time. I was already in Greg's band, and, and so, you know, it was... You know, it was kind of lot not logical, but it, it was easy for me to slide in. Sure. You know, and just take over. Man, full circle for you, kind of growing up playing some of that oh, stuff. Oh, yeah. No, no, ain't no question, about, no question about that, brother. You got that right. If you had to describe in general what it was like uh, to be in not only a classic band, but it's something different when a band reforms, right? Yeah, and well, sometimes it don't work. Right, sometimes it doesn't. This did, but you know we had the two drummers, and that's half the deal. And then Warren Hayes, he came, and that was that was the other hand. I knew Warren before he was in Dickie's band. He was on Pattern Disruptive. Oh, okay. And then we slid right into the you know me and him both were kind of side by side, you know, slid in there together and. And since then, Warren's become quite the rock and roll. Uh, uh, he's, he's very famous, uh, yeah. quite talented, good, good everything. And but uh, we had some good writing sessions. I wrote this song. Uh, I think we wrote three songs in one night, and two of them were cut. That's a pretty good night, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you remember what those two were? Yeah. Well, one of them was Maydale. Mm-hmm. That song hitting the note. One of them was a song ballad that I really like. What am I? Oh yeah. And it it, it was, uh, and the other one I don't remember, but I know there was three of them. Well, actually, I have uh, Maydell queued up. 
Oh, I, do you? I do. I ran across that tune uh, the other night, and I wanted to talk a little bit about it. Let's uh, let folks hear uh, a few seconds of it, and let's okay. talk about Maydell, because that sounds like an amazing writing writing night. It was. It was, and it it, it, it doesn't happen all the time. You know, got me to thinking. You we talk a lot about the players, of course, but you were around some incredible background singers too, and listened to listen to uh, those singers there. That must have been something. You remember who was in and out of your, uh, your world there? Oh, there was Vicky Carico. Oh yeah, Kelly Bruce, uh, Nanette Britt, uh, and I think that was it. There might have there's only three of them. I might be forgetting somebody, but uh, hey, I'm getting old. <laughs> well, tell us a little bit about this writing session where you wind up with three songs and two-thirds of them get cut. Well, the, <laughs> I don't know how it happened. I mean, and I, we're down in the middle of cutting, you know, all this stuff. So you're right there. I mean, it's so like, When you're in the middle of the project, things are real fluid and yeah. you know, things can happen mm -hmm. fast, right? Uh, what was the... Writing process like for you on those? Was it any different than any others? No, I don't have a process. I, I, I think you got to go in. If if Martin or somebody gets to rolling and let them roll and you, you put your two cents in and or if you're rolling and they let you go and that it's so you know, sometimes somebody takes a lead and they and, you know, a lot of people say, oh, I don't like that because they didn't think of it. And that ain't a good thing. You got you to gotta let it go. Whoever's got the ball, you got to let them run with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because otherwise you could break us. The more you think about it, I think the worse it gets. You can kind of drive the music out of it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. No, that's a, that's a, Well, clearly whatever process or not process you guys had. Yeah, well, I don't know. Like that night. You know, then you're in Florida, and it's nice outside. We had a condo, and, you know, you're down by the beach. And, and any time we get around water, uh, something happens. <laughs> uh, it's, you know, God, God opens the door and says, hey, you're, you're look at that big ocean out there. And you hear the waves, and they, they send you over somewhere. And you come back. There you go. You got us all. Now, 1985, because you, well, actually, in 94, I think, because you had had <clears throat> these great uh, songs on, uh, you know, Dickie Betts and Greg Allman Band, then, of course, uh, reuniting with the Allman Brothers Band and doing, um, you know, Seven Turns with Allman and having that good, clean, fun hit. But then it was time to kind of get back to you making records. And in 94, you put out a... Uh, a record called The Last, was it The Last Word? Yeah, right. That was, what was it like getting back to doing your own records? It was good. I liked it because I knew what I was doing. Uh -huh. You know, when I, when I was a kid, I didn't know. I didn't give a shit. Right. I didn't care. Right. But, but 
Well, once I got back in there and I had a publisher that would work with me, uh, we did a whole lot of stuff, you know, and uh, some of it was R&B, you know, and, uh, but, you know. Now, the version of Maydell that not, we listened to was actually. That's the last word. That was the last word version that we listened yeah. to, right? Right. Dolman Brothers is a little slower and it's yeah. good. Uh, and that was on a. Yeah. That one we listened to was on a live record called Coming At You. Well, see, that's what happened. We did our studio last for an album, and then we did a come uh, a live record um, at the Sutler. Uh, we were talking about this the storied uh, little club um, down on Eighth uh, Avenue. Mm-hmm. So that's why people people get a little mixed up. Because it's the last word live, and then the other one was in the studio. Mm-hmm. So there's two of them. Well, when you get a great song, you don't want to stop recording. <laughs> <laughs> no. So talking about studios in a minute, of course you've uh, you know done your own thing. You've you've been part of the Almond Brothers band, but you have you're in Nashville, and in Nashville there are great uh, studio musicians. So you've had your fair share of playing for other people and playing on other people's records. What are some that kind of stand out to you? Uh, either either artists or songs or experiences that stood out as a player? Um, it's hard to answer that because sometimes they weren't there. Mm-hmm. Like you'd come in and you'd put your part on. They weren't like, I did a Willie Nelson thing and I was all excited. Man, I don't play with Willie Nelson. And then I went in there and then I put my part on. He never... He wasn't even there. He wasn't there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going, sheesh. Oh, my goodness. Bring me up, bring me down. <laughs> so, but you had, you had this great connection with other uh, studio musicians in town. Oh, yeah, Jack Pearson. Yeah. Was, was, uh, was playing on that one thing. He just listened. He was my, he was one of my favorites. Still is. Still, he's still around playing a lot. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. He, he, and, man, his singing is just incredible. I remember he was, you know, working on that, and and uh, it was good then. Then all of a sudden, that's what happens. You work on something, and you work on it, and then all of a sudden, it just bam, it happens. You, you you finally fall into the groove, and it comes out, and then you're there. You know, uh, I I saw that happen with a lot of musicians. Uh, they would just be like they would play, and then. But I could kind of hear them thinking about it, you know. I could hear it in, in their what they were playing. And you kind of had a front row seat for watching that develop. Yeah. Oh yeah. But then, but then I, I just was playing. My whole thing was about freedom and improvisation, you know. Yeah. And uh, so that that gave the, the open a door to some not not everybody, but a lot of people. They just found a, there's played their niche or their style in, in, in the band I was in. Because I didn't care what they played. Just to play your ass off, you know what I mean? <laughs> right. And but it just seemed I, I watched uh, two or three people that played guitar uh, just kind of open up. Not that I had anything to do with it, but I think I got it. When, when people get freedom to, to express themselves, they open up quick, you know? Right. And uh, that's what, what I thought, think I did, you know. And and you were a part of those uh, kind of moments with a lot of great musicians. Yeah. That's one of the things that people may not 
understand about Nashville is that it has a lot of these different rivers that flow through it. Of course, songwriting is probably the primary one, but you've got this life of studio musicians. It's pretty special. And you've been a part of that scene, well, since you moved to town in oh, yeah. the 80s, right? <clears throat> yeah. So after um, after coming at you, that live record, you uh, kind of, in 2000, I think, is when Late Night Breakfast uh, came Oh, out. yeah. That's... that's uh... A big smile just came across your face when I mentioned that. Why? Because everybody, why? Well, you know, I, I, the uh, I told the guy that uh, painted the cover. He was an mm -hmm. artist. He painted it, and I said, "Oh, I want it to be about sex and food." Right? <laughs> and he, oh, you know, so he did, and he had uh, eggs and eggs, eggs on the boobs and. <laughs> So they had the combo for you. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I said, kid, keep going, son. <laughs> I don't remember the whole thing, but I laughed. And then and then I got my started getting reviews. That's a great album, but that's the tackiest album cover <laughs> I ever seen. I and think. you said thank you. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I did. Actually. What made, uh, other than the uh, incredible cover of Late Night Breakfast, what made that record... Uh, Different for you. What did you love about making that record? Oh, because it was my first one at my studio in um, in Berry Hill, Mel mm -hmm. Mel Mel Melrose. Area. Up there on the hill. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and you know, and it was tape. Analog tape. And yeah. uh, uh, I dedicated to the Waffle House, man, because I used <laughs> to go do a gig and you know, have, have a half a buzz on and Go eat late night breakfast. You and everybody else in yeah. Nashville. What was your favorite Waffle House in Nashville? Which one was your spot? Oh, uh, well, there was a couple because they they closed a few of them on me. Oh yeah. Uh, there's one down by on River by on Charlotte Pike that I go to, but that's brand new. Yeah. I used to go to one, but I can't. Oh, oh in Antioch. Oh yeah. No, I used to live over in Antioch. I know the one. Yeah, and, and uh, that was a good. There's always action in there. Yeah. You know, so the late night breakfast decade to the Waffle House. Nice. Now, you had mentioned um, trying to write for Disney, but you had also done some vocals on, oh, half a dozen or so songs. I, I did, yeah. I went on audition for this guy, and he lived somewhere, some big house somewhere. And I didn't know what I was doing. I just go in there. He asked me to sing, and I sang, and he uh, the, my friend Joanna Cotton was with me. She goes, Johnny, you should have seen his face when he heard you sing. I said, oh, go I passed the audition. I passed it. Yeah. So, so did you wind, what did you wind up on? Ah, uh, she daddy. Uh, Ratatouille. Uh, I think the, the one about the fish. I think I did something on that one. Yeah, he gave me like two or three of them, so I don't know, wow. you know. Well, that must have been a thrill. That's oh, a, yeah. They that's had, a whole different angle. Yeah, they had the big band and everything. They had horns. and. Oh, that must have been fun to sing oh, to, man. Oh, yes, sir. <laughs> but the funny thing was, you know, I, I had to sing, and I couldn't. I had to go back and fix. I couldn't read fast enough. In Braille, I couldn't read fast enough with my left hand. So you at that point, you're holding a Braille page against your chest, right? Yeah. That's kind of how yeah. you do it? Yeah. Yeah. And I had to make sure it didn't crinkle. Oh, right. <laughs> so, but and yeah. so you the this some of those songs the lyrics went by so quick you couldn't mm -hmm. keep up with your 
Mm-mm. You had to memorize it, I guess. Oh, I didn't feel like it. If I start memorizing stuff before I go in, it, it never it, it never comes out like I like it. So, oh. and they just, like you get they, too settled in a certain yeah, way of doing it. Yeah, and, and usually it ain't what they're looking for. Mm-hmm. But you know, they can go back in and punch you in. People don't know that you could you could uh, be singing and say, "Oh, shit, let me let me go back and punch that in," so that you can sing it again. It's not like you got to sing the whole song all the way through, you know. Thank God. Right, right, <laughs> right. Well, that must have been a, a thrill, man. Oh, it was. And then years later, I mean, you have joined uh, some bands. Uh, you got together with uh, Chris Anderson, who used to be you know, the Outlaws. Yeah, oh, yeah, I did. And uh, you put together Rattlebone, right? Yeah, that was good. I, we didn't we didn't have a chance to get that off the ground. But uh, you had the song World's Gone Crazy. Yeah, uh-huh. Um, what was that like? To, did you do the record, but just weren't able to travel with it? Or oh, you know, it's hard to get somebody to help book it, and yeah, you know, get a manager or somebody to you know. You have to have a team now. You know, back when I was a kid, you just this agent would have faith in you. Now they don't got faith in you unless you can draw a crowd. So then you go, well, what do I need you for, you know? If I draw a crowd, I do it myself. Yeah, yeah, but so, but, you know, it's a whole different thing, you know. What made that record different than others you had made? What was kind of I just think because we, well, we both had studios, and that meant, you know, we could, well, let's cut this over my house, and then he'd send it over the internet back to his house. And we, we just wrote fast. We, we, got, we got the writing, and... And, you know, it didn't slow down. It was, uh, you know, we had more, it took us longer to mix the thing it did to, to write it, you know? Yeah, got it. <laughs> what else is new? <laughs> so I got to ask you about this song. In looking through uh, Spotify, I noticed that you had more than 172,000 streams on this song called Banana Split for My Baby. Oh, that's an old cat. <coughs> oh, excuse me, that's an old, old cab, cab Calloway. Cab Calloway song. Well, yeah. uh, people kind of ate up your version of uh, "Banana Split" from a baby and a and a glass water. Glass of plain water for me. Glass of plain water for me. Let's listen to a, a second right. of your version. Banana split for my baby, a glass of plain water for me. Banana split for my baby, a glass of plain water for me. Dispenser man, if you please, serve my chick a bunch of calories. Banana split for my baby, and a glass of plain water for me. Man. No wonder people have streamed the mess out of that song. <laughs> you you uh, you brought it, and and it goes back to what you first loved because you loved the horns from ever since you were oh, a young yeah. kid. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I did. How'd you choose to, to do that old song? They they told me to. <laughs> I, I I never heard of it. Who told you to do it? Uh, the guy producing. <laughs> you know, he gave me you know the dude learned this song. I learned it, and I said. And it, it was funny because I, I messed around with that melody a little bit. You know what I mean? Yeah, 
You put your own spin on it. Well, I got to do that. Yeah, and that's that. and that's been good and bad through my career. <laughs> well, people ate that up uh, to the tune of uh, 172,000 or more streams on Spotify, man. So there's something about your voice on an old uh, Cab Calloway song that just works. Oh, how many hits you say I got? It was over 172,000. Well, I didn't get that much money. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole other podcast, and it's a sad song. Yeah. And we're yeah. talking about that, right? Yeah, song yeah. Writers. We won't go there. We're having too much fun. <laughs> well, speaking of fun, I got a, a, a handful of other things I want to talk about, but we can't be sitting here in this studio and you at the piano and not play a little music. Let's see. Made it, made it. Baby, won't you please love me? Mayo, show put the squeeze on me. I don't know why I love you. You put me through hell. I can't break the spell, man. Hey, come on with that, man. Johnny, you have um, had some health problems of late, and I think it was July of 2019, you had a stroke. Yeah. Um, what happened? Do you remember what happened? Well, I was in the pool. Out back here. Out back here. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I mean, I had the stroke, uh, and the fun, <laughs> I... Uh, I kind of raised my left hand up, and it and it fell down and hit me on top of the head. Hmm. I said, oh, that, that ain't good. That ain't something, something wrong here. So I called a couple friends. I said, man, my hand ain't working. As far as pain and all that, it was just sounded like a little static. I heard a little static, and then that's what it sounded like. That, then my left hand doesn't work, and... Uh, and I'm working on that. That's the, that's the last thing they say that's going to come back. And your left hand, is, and kind of explain to people being a piano player what that left hand is supposed to do. Well, it's, that's, bass. that's my boogie-woogie hand, man, you know. It's my vase, right? So I, you know, I got to reach over here, get down there. So you got to cross over with your yeah. right hand. Yeah, even when I part. play, I've done some live gigs, and I've had to push it. But you know what? It, my right hand works, but if it when I'm going over to look for some knob or button to push, it don't feel like the same thing. Because your right hand it looks at it different. Because you're not used to, to doing no, that with your right hand. No, I, I'm used to taking my left hand and hitting the button of the ear. So even when you're crossing over with the right hand, it can technically do the job, but just it doesn't. No, it doesn't no, feel right. Doesn't feel right. That yeah. Has that been one of the hardest things to get used to? Yeah, I mean, unless I got a bass player. <laughs> well, right. Then you like turn it up. Yeah, turn it up, buddy. Yeah. And usually I got a nice one, you know. But yeah, that was. I mean, we're still working through it. I got a couple of people helping me, staying with me at the house, and yeah, and I'm walking on Walker, and, and getting pretty good at fighting it. back. Yeah, and and you know, but I don't. I can't. You got to you got to really focus on uh, you know, what you're trying to get. 
Because, you know, if you start thinking about what you had and your mind goes into that place, that's a bad place to go. Right. Mentally, you really got to try to keep, keep, you know, your, your spirit, your spirits up. So you know, your body's not going to keep going if your mind and the spirit is not right, exactly. So I'm still working through that. And we talked a few minutes ago about, or uh, before we started, uh, about everything that musicians go through over a lifetime. It is if you are a creative, um, it's a hard road. There are obstacles happen. Um, what do you think it? was about your life or has been about your life as a musician that's kind of helped you now kind of deal with this physical change? I don't I don't really know how to explain it. I think maybe uh, it's made me realize, you know, that what I took for granted, definitely don't do that. If you can play and, you, and, you, and God gave you a gift, don't be throwing it all in the trash can, you know. Don't wait. Because... Uh, you know, God gave me a gift, and I, and you know, I, I had diabetes, and that's what gave me the stroke, you know, pretty much. But uh, so, you know, I think basically I just got to keep on doing what I'm doing. And uh, well, you talk about keeping your your mind fresh and your your kind of your heart going forward and, and your spirit on, and that that helps you overcome a lot of the day to day struggles with your. Yeah, with your hand. Well, yeah, well, plus I have. Well, it's and it's like like I have trouble sleeping, mm-hmm. uh, and if if it gets to be about two or three in the morning, and I let my mind go into that, well, man, you know, I just have to happen to me and all that, and I, mm-hmm. and you let and, and it's nobody's around. Well, you could really how do you pull out of those moments? Uh well, I try to turn the TV on or something. To get, because when it's quiet, maybe your mind can really wander, you know, and uh, it's not a good place to where where it wants to go sometimes. But you know, because uh, you know, I got a lot of good memories. But then that, you know, I feel blessed because of that. But then that works against you if you go too far into that side. Of Are you saying just the whole concept of just, just living in the past, you mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's not a good, that's what I meant. Yeah. yeah, no, that that's a that's a great point. And I think uh, it's great that you are still able to play with that right hand, as frustrating as it is, but that kind of keeps your... Well, uh, I can still put, yeah, and plus I can still produce people. Right. Well, hey, let's be clear about something. Uh, Johnny Neal one-handed on the piano... I'd put that guy up against two hands in a day, man. So that's all right. Yeah. And you're right. You're doing a lot of producing, too. Yeah. So let's talk about the industry a second, um, especially for songwriters. You and I were talking about this. We were talking about, you know, 172,000 streams on Spotify. We don't make money the same way that we used to make money. No. The no. digital world has changed Everything it took it took man it took it took everything away from it. You've seen a lot go down from the time that you brushed that hand across the Black Keys in Wilmington to being with the Allman Brothers and being in Nashville. What are what are your feelings and thoughts about the state of the business at this point? Well, I think there's too much business. Okay, not enough music, and the music that come that that's happening is. 
there's a lot of good songwriters out there, but I don't, I don't, I don't think that it has the same amount, the same soul. Okay. Uh, the, not to say that it ain't good. Hey, it just don't feel the same. I'd rather hear George Jones. <laughs> I hear you. If you know. And do you, and do you think it's a songwriting thing? Oh, I, mean, I think it's a whole marketing thing, songwriting thing. You know, now these people. I remember when I first came out, walked down the street and run into Chris Christopherson and sit down and talk to him. And you, you couldn't find no, one of these young stars on the street, you know, that I ever know of anyway. You know, it's just all, you must stay aloof. I said, what's that? What in the hell is that? I mean, I, it's, it, you know, it's country's change, and of course it's going to, but... I don't feel like it has, unless they're let's start writing about pickup trucks and 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 drinking beer, which I don't got a problem with. <laughs> you know, I I mean, I just don't identify. I don't relate to it. Not that it ain't good, right? But I, it, but I don't relate to it as well as some of the older stuff. And you know, I just think they they said more. You know, in the in the lyric. Uh, as opposed to today, uh, you know, I have friends that playing and with some of these famous guys, and they're not very happy. You know, it's easy money, but it, it's not very rewarding in the spiritual level. You grew up in probably the uh, the uh, the epitome of kind of rewarding at a spiritual level because you're talking about one the era in which you grew up musically. Not only what was happening musically, we talk about Bob Dylan, you talk about, you know, the the end of the surf band sound, but the civil rights and the huge changes in America that were that were going on. Oh yeah. I mean, that elevated music to a place of importance, right? One of the things I hear you saying, not to put words in your mouth, but it's like, do you, do you worry that because um, we have huge changes in our country now for sure, politics and socially speaking, do you worry that music isn't playing the role in that that it did when you remember, uh, you know, singing at that civil rights gathering in Wilmington? Uh, what I, was I, th I think it depends on the, the writer because if it's a certain kind of writer, he's going to get people, get them on the division side, you know, and then you got people who want to you know, keep things together uh, and they... They're on the unifying. You got unifying or dividing, mm -hmm. and if the songwriters of a certain nature, he's going, he's going to make it divide. You know. And you spoke about that. I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think "World's Gone Crazy" was kind of you speaking about that, right? I mean, oh yeah, because yeah. I think the lyric was, uh, "Are we ever going to get sane again?" Yeah, right. Do <laughs> yeah. I have that right with Ronald? Yeah, Trump? that's it. Yeah, that's it. So you, and that was two thousand. 19, so just a, a couple of years ago. So you've been seeing this coming on, and you you speak about making music that brings us together versus being divisive. That's a pretty important point. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a pretty good point in the country. Mm -hmm. You know, after the events that went about with the Capitol and such, yeah. I never thought I'd see that, I must say. Right. I don't care what side of politics you're on. That's pretty shocking to have that happen. That's pretty intense. Matter of fact, I'm surprised they didn't have more repercussions. 
right. But anyway, you know, that's I, I, you try you got to deal with what you know, what they throw at you. And there's a lot of throwing going on around here, but we're, we're going to be okay. As a songwriter with the strife that's going on now in our country and as divided as it is, do you feel a stirring again as a songwriter to write to that? Or how is that affecting kind of your muse? Well, I think, uh, well, we wrote uh, World's Going Crazy, but I, I, I really don't feel much stirring because, you know, I don't, I don't want to... I don't want. I don't want to write sad. I don't want. You know. I. I want to try to keep the positive thing happening. And if I were to write now, you probably get all. You know. I. Th I think that would be the wrong. I mean, I'll eventually write stuff, but I, I'm trying to avoid it now because I. Yeah, I hear that. I ain't got much to say about it. Do you want to hear? <laughs> So knowing all you've learned and experienced in what, six decades of making music, um, if you ran across a 12-year-old little Johnny Neal today, and you know the type, young but serious, right? Yeah, you were 12 yeah. years old, you were serious. I mean, you had a record deal. If you ran across that kid now that you know could go left or right, they, they could end up being a, a huge contributor to society through their music or they never get back to it, what would you tell them? Knowing everything you know and well, I'd probably tell him to stay true to his heart and, you know, and listen to people he respects that are older than him, mm -hmm. you know, and, and try to, you know, you know, you can be influenced as a 12-year-old. <laughs> and uh, I say just stay true to your heart and, and, and I think you'll make it. How do you balance, do you think, or how did you balance being true to your heart, listening to your own voice, doing what you want to do, and also listening to older people that you trust and trying to strike a balance between those two things. Well, I think you got to be careful who you trust. <laughs> you know, because I used to have this old, this gentleman uh, that was teaching me, you know, different chords and how to move. I mean, on piano, if you move one finger, it changes your world, you know? One finger. But... Yeah, yeah, and uh, so I, I just listened to him and, and tried to go you know, keep keep a positive attitude. Now you know I got sidetracked once in a while, but you know, uh, basically I try to keep my head in a positive way. Yeah. yeah. Are there um, any older influences that you want to shout out? To or let people know that they were important to you. Dad stars, right? Oh yeah, my dad. Wow. And, and uh, I mean, I think you would know the old guy named Hudson Antonio. He was a he he was a, a player and he played around. And he knew a lot about chord voicings. He was and, in Wilmington. Yeah, and I, I learned a lot from him. You know, because you know, you don't have to move your hand a lot on the piano if you know how to change the chord move, move two fingers. Show people, if you would, how to change a voice and what you're talking about. Just Okay, well... And this is a voice, and then... I'm only moving two fingers. Now, you could go... And so... Uh, the voicing is... Changing the same notes you got, putting them in different order. And that yeah. kind of helps the mood of the moment, right? Yeah, yeah. And plus, yeah, exactly. 
Well, you know, I sat with a another great uh, piano player uh, from Uruguay named Enrique de Boni, and he spent a lot of time talking about how influential uh, voicing and harmony was in his learning. Of oh, yeah. yeah no, I you as well? Understand. Yeah, same thing. I mean, the different voicing and, uh, and harmony, is, it just makes you feel different uh, when you use different voicing. Right. So when you kind of like, that must have been pretty mind-blowing when that uh, light went on in your head and you heard that. And oh, yeah. Yeah, that changes everything. They call it open chord, where it's not like, it's more like, and so, you know, it's like jazz, yeah, I guess that's jazz, Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, man, one of my all-time favorite songs of yours, and I first, I'm almost positive, I first heard you play this song at the old Boardwalk Cafe. Oh, Which yeah. Which was an old kind of sports bar-y kind of place, but there was a lot of good music going on in there. Oh, there sure was. Over on Nolensville Road, right? Nolensville, mm -hmm. Thompson Lane or somewhere out there. Yep. But the song was called uh, Society Hill, and uh, you had it on, um, which record was that on? Was that coming on at coming you. at you? Yeah. 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 Uh, let's listen to a second of uh, Society Hill. All right. Because I want people to know why I was so turned on by it. Okay. It's cold up there on Society Hill Talk to off of a man on a cellular phone Calls whoever he can Cause he's so alone he don't make no connection You know He hangs at the club On the Mercedes Benz Climbs the corporate ladder On the backs of his friends And they feed off his deception He holds the power And claims the share Pull a few strings here Call a favor there on Society Hill. Man, I think the reason I love that song, to me, it brings together almost everything we've talked about in this interview. It yeah. brings together your social consciousness and your heart. Your voice is amazing on it. Your piano playing. I mean, to me, that if I had to pick one song, that summed up Johnny Neal, that'd be my personal pick because it just... Well, that's good. I like that. It just that. seems to have it all there for me, man. That was a great song. What What are your feelings about that song? Uh, well, it was fun writing it. I was um, uh, a friend of mine named Darius Rad. He, we were in a bar, and I said, I want to write a song like a play. Mm -hmm. I said, I don't want it to, you know, I don't... Wanted to, I wanted to be like a play, so we went to I don't know, man. I think it was a sutler, and and they wrote one verse, and another bar wrote another verse, <laughs> and another bar wrote three verses, and just kind of looked at them and put them together, and they were all. It kind of felt like a puzzle, you know. It was really fun. Yeah, uh, a different way of doing it, because you know, and, and he he was from 
Persia, so he had a different outlook. Oh, interesting. On uh, on things, you know, and he was very very cool gentleman. Well, it's a fine fine song. As we're wrapping up, what's next for you, Johnny? I know you're continuing to get better and work on your your uh, left hand working and and keep all that going. But what what's next? What's on the horizon? Well, I think I'm just gonna kind of. You know, trying to get some people to come in and play and try to find some people to produce. So if anybody's looking for a producer, hey, I'll take you. You're ready, and you've got this beautiful uh, yeah. studio out here on Cub Creek. Yeah, and so I don't know. I'm just going to try to keep keep going and uh, get my left hand back. You know, like they said, they said the the, uh, the the feeling in the fingers is the last thing. To use the comeback, so it's like, that gets a little frustrating. But I know it will come back. It's got to come back. It went away. <laughs> <laughs> if it goes away, it's got to come back. Yeah, yeah. Well, man, thank you for spending time letting me come in your beautiful studio. It's great, oh, man, to have a fellow Cub Creeker on the Cub Creek podcast. There you go, babe. And uh, I appreciate it, man. It's been a joy. Thank you. Thank you for joining me, and I hope you've enjoyed your time on the creek. If you have any topics you'd like us to build a conversation around, drop by the Conversations on Cub Creek Facebook site. And while you're there looking through show notes and behind-the-scenes pictures, drop me a line with your thoughts. If you've enjoyed your time with us on the creek, please leave a five-star rating and subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And thank you.